0: Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it is currently 6 p.m. in Ibiza. It is 9 a.m. on the West Coast. If you hear the sound of my guitar and the sound of my voice, you rest assured you are listening to Re & Co. Radio. Today we have a very, very special show lined up for y'all. We have uh, a person who has left an immense impression on me an artist with which his way of seeing the world and the way that he acts and and the way that he artists um, has really changed my opinion of what an artist is capable of. Today in the room we have Raghava K.K but also we have his brother Kartik And Kartik is a person which I've tried to describe, but I found it very, very difficult. He's a person who makes sense of the world through mathematical analysis. He's a person who is very deep into uh, investigative, I would say, um, kind of understanding. And so what we have on the one hand is the left side of the brain, a person who is very artistic, and we also have the right side of the brain, a person who's very good analysis. And believe me it will be a very pleasant conversation for us all. Also with us in the room is Amanda Joy Ravenhill from the Buckminster Fuller Institute and the amazing Turquoise. Now Turquoise is also a person who matches artistry very beautifully with her intellectual insight so what we're going to do today and just to frame this conversation uh, reminding everybody that the theme is re-artistry and co- inspiration and the purpose of this whole conversation this exchange is to really try to understand what the role of the artist is in modern society in the 21st century what it means to be an artist in the 21st century and try to understand the impact that the artist can have at this pivotal moment of time when transformation into something other is so 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 important That's a cue. Who wants to jump at it?
1: <laughs> I jump uh, since everyone else is so shy. Uh, I mean, it's it's very fascinating that you said. Um, that we are in a transform- transformative mo- moment. I think Raghava and I have talked a lot about how there are these two sort of looming things that seem to affect all of humanity. Two issues, maybe may- maybe maybe more, but the two that we can see more clearly is um, the rise of AI in, in the nation, the threat of job displacement, the threat of just entering a completely new society, really in threat and promise um and the other issue of course being the climate and um what's interesting the way you phrase it is i think the past 50 60 years art history, art, art history art after the after the after the, the disaster of the world war 2 especially has sort of entered into a phase when it's mostly looking at the past or the present mostly looking at uh cultural criticism or um, nostalgias or anti nostalgias of the past. But of course, there, is, there, are, there were moments in art history where art has played this role of actively trying to build the future. And those have been moments, for example, um, you know, in the Russian Revolution, you had all these artists before, of course, the rise of Stalin who played a pivotal role in trying to imagine and build this beautiful society that they thought they were building, this new society. So the question is how much, the question that I guess I have for the other people is how much of a role do artists play in the social imaginary, in in imagining the future rather than just reacting to the past or the present? Mm, I love that. Mm.
2: And the word and the root of image within that, right? to bring into image to bring into sight to bring into vision that which is possible and when we're in this moment of everyone competing it's like what degree of apocalypse is the future going to be you know how how awful could it get uh seems to be the conversation in the media You know, I did an analysis several years ago around climate communication, climate news, and at that time it was 86% of the news around climate was around the future that we don't want to live into. And so no wonder people don't want to talk about climate change. One, it's a hybrid object anyway, but two, you know, if we're always being told that it's going to be awful, we're not going to want to deal with it uh, but now there's so much wonderful work being done including the design science studio at buckminster fuller institute of inviting artists to imagine that future that we do want to be in um, and i think it's it's one of the great cheat codes of our time right now is empowering artists who are system thinkers right they they work across disciplines they're able to see that those transdisciplinary principles, you know, and apply principles of ballet to architecture or whatever it may be. Um, And that, you know, what Buckminster Fuller called the comprehensivist view is so critical to be able to design a future that, you know, really, really goes through what is needed right now of of true systems change. So yeah, we'd love to hear what others think of, of like artists as systems change agents, artists as systems thinkers, uh, and how we can appreciate them more for that.
0: Man, it's so beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, let me remind you, we are live on KPCRFM 101.9 in Santa Cruz. We are also in Clubhouse. If you're listening to us on Instagram, you can come to the Clubhouse room. We're going to be taking questions later on. And it's very nice just to be in a space where people are talking to one another, especially on a theme which is so important as this. And I really love Kartik, you know, the way that you brought up that, that just that idea that we're between promise and, um... What was that other word you were you you used? It was it was promise and uh, remind me, remind me, remind me. And threat.
1: I think I said threat.
0: Yeah, between threat and promise, between a nightmare and a beautiful dream, and it's like as if our imaginative, creative powers are the ones which are supposed to gr- guide us and create that vision. And clearly, you know, when we speak to people who are in deep in sustainability, what we notice is that uh, sustainability is very much based in science. And science is very much about describing things, but what we need now is radical envisioning, a little bit more kind of like ambitious, uninhibited dreaming. And so we find that that the artist's role is, uh, I would like, at least like to think it's very important. If I can jump in a little.
3: And you know, Karthik and I were both heartbroken a couple of years ago. And we landed up in India. And we wrote this thesis called Transcendence for the Post-Human Age. What is that object that inspires us to grow, to go beyond who we are, into who we can be? And while doing research on that, Kartik and I came across three emotions that are critical for any sort of transcendence or growth loss, liberation and mystery. You know, when I went through divorce, a part of me died. And loss brought up anger, insecurity, defensiveness, self-judgment, all these emotions associated with loss, aversion and loss. When we barely experience or give ourselves time to acknowledge the second emotion which is I can be anything, I can be anybody, I can date anybody, I can do whatever I want now that I'm free. And that's liberation. And the third is actually the most underexplored, which is I have no clue who I will become to truly embrace surprise, to truly embrace mystery. And so when you have all these three emotions associated with growth, it's important that we focus on all of them, the threat, the liberation, the promise, and the fact that we can never know who we are going to become.
1: Absolutely responsible to what Amanda said and what Raghava um, I mean, first uh, starting backwards um, what Raghava was just speaking about is really a very famous theory of not, the, of not of religion or of spirituality as defined as a certain set of dogmas but rather of the experience of what we can call the numinous, that which takes us beyond ourselves, of, of transcendence really And it was uh, this famous uh, sort of description of the numinous as mysterium tremendum et fascinans, that is, mystery that's both tremendous, it awes you and yet fascinates you, both repels you and pulls you forward, that we really, really identify with so many experiences. And then sort of go back a little bit and connect back with what Amanda was saying. I think absolutely, I think, um, I think, for artists to really engage in uh, politics, for example, or um, Amanda mentioned ballet and industrial engineering, why not? Uh, what we really need also then is an expansion of the idea of what art can be. Because I think we've gotten a little too used to the idea that art is this, 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 this genre, rather than that fundamental exercise of creativity in the case of constraints rather than um understanding and realizing that when i write about, about causality in statistics with uh, with my co-authors that I'm, I'm i'm an artist um i mean I'm, I'm not saying that as any kind of um uh, oh everything every creative endeavor is, is art but there, there are situations where you're faced with problems where you do not have Logical solutions to that you kind of have to improvise and you kind of have to um, be alive to that moment. And and I think we need to, the reason I keep saying, I think, the reason I kept, the reason I said that I think we need to expand our idea of what art is, is once we ghettoize art, once we say, oh, artists are people who create music, artists are people who uh, paint, then we've immediately sort of confined their. Potential to be um, parts of, of, of parts of society. I mean, the Percy Bysshe Shelley used to say, "Artists are the legislators of humankind." Now, I think that's a little bit a um, little bit ambitious, uh, no such thing. But what he really meant was coming up with the myths that move, coming up with these stories that connect, coming up with the imagination of what the future can be. I think all of this is a vital component of art. Um, I, don't, I don't know what you guys think, but I was sort of just r- responding to what uh, Amanda and Ragoa were talking about.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful what you were saying. And I have to agree with you In the sense that At least the way I understand it Is that we take art as Creativity that can be put into a discipline Though creativity is much freer Like right now, I'm using music, but I'm not playing a song I'm just messing around And I definitely agree with you on that But I wonder, you know, I'm very curious What do Raghava or Turquoise make of that?
3: I was waiting to hear the beautiful turquoise. Okay, so Karthik, um, in response to you, you know, yesterday we had a beautiful conversation about the source of that creative impulse, right? When you wrote that paper with Guido, I would love for you to tell us about that and just where did the idea for that come from? Who do you attribute credit to for such a breakthrough? Could you just remember we had this beautiful conversation about the origin of that creative impulse? Is that God? Is that higher than the self? Where does, I know that I did not create my orgasm project. I know that I was merely a vector of intention. I held the integrity of that encounter. But I can't take credit for having imagined or created the Orgasm Project.
1: I'd love to hear Turquoise say something, me, but if, if she doesn't, I will not in. and I'll just a minute.
0: Turquoise. Okay. Go ahead, Kartik. You, go
1: ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, No, I mean, I think uh, more to the point, I think, uh, I mean, there's two things I think I want to say in response to that, Raghava. One is, I think we should talk about the very, very, and and you are much better at talking about this because you've thought about it more, about the very strange process we had when we engaged with each other and creating your series, Edges. um, Raghava basically, uh, to those who don't know he is an artist he's worked with multimedia he's done crazy things um, but we had this very intense moment as soon as the pandemic broke out when we engaged with each other in, and and all I was trying to do I mean to, to use a very fanciful metaphor Socrates says that he doesn't know truth he's just the midwife of truth um, in, in Plato so he just sort of questions other people till the truth comes out of them um, so since the, the 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 theme of today is co-inspiration and co-creation, um, what really what what happened at that moment was that Raghava mentioned that we had both come through divorces, we were on if we were both in a shattered state, and what was really really mysterious was how we were able to help each other achieve. Um, our potential sounds a bit of bit bit cliched, but really feel the energy that's within us express itself through uh, our thoughts, our words, our actions, and um, would love to hear your thoughts on that first. But a very quick response. I mean, it's fascinating where creativity comes from, and different cultures have had such different ideas. If you go back to the Greeks, they thought literally creativity was the spirit that entered you from. From outside. That's literally what inspiration means. Inspiration means in breathing or the spirit coming in. Um, So uh, there were the muses, the muses who were the patrons of the various arts that created different sorts of inspirations. As the Sufis, for example, believe that um, there are three levels of reality one is the Ilm al Shahada, which is the manifest world, the world that we live in, the world we breathe in, the world we see things in. The other being the other, uh, the other opposite pole being the world of the intellectual realities. So, therefore, uh, every beautiful thing, there is an idea of beauty. And we recognize a beautiful thing because beauty exists in this intellectual world. Um, and it's called that El Mal Um That's kind of like the world of Platonic forms. And in between, other is the world of uh, visioning, of visions, of imagination, and it's called Ilm al-Mithal, which literally means the world of the parables, and it's the world of imagination that they claim we go, we travel into every time we have a veridical dream, a, a true dream, or uh, or uh, a vision, or we make a creative breakthrough. Uh, they believe we actually go there and come back down through a process of ascent and descent called Fana and And I find that fascinating idea. Really, why do I find it fascinating? Not just because it's theoretical, but because I think the Jaguar expressed, ultimately, if you really focus on the moments, you're being truly creative. You don't really know where it comes from. Um, I don't know if you guys have responses to either of the two two thoughts. One about the Sufi idea of of creation as being basically unveiling or kashv Or the the other other thought, I mean, I really think Raghava should talk about this very weird co-creation process that happened.
3: Thank you so much for sharing that, Karthik. But I'm going to wait for Amanda Turquoise and Mark and the other beautiful people here to respond. And then we can go into that journey where you and I would fight. You know, the funny thing is, Karthik and I are opposites in many ways. And the two of us have had periods in our life where we got along and there are times when we never got along. We didn't want to see each other. It was so funny that we had to be broken to really help see the magic in each other. I knew he was magical and special. I just know it. And he did the same of me. And we were able to pull out simultaneously, the genie in each one of us, or the spirit. So, other than making this a love fest, I do want to disagree also with you. It would be lovely for us to to give an example of how we push each other. You know, we are so different. And there were times I see Harsha is in the audience here, he has paid witness to us fighting not talking having existential problems with each other but we end up coming back we keep coming back to each other so anyone else has experienced this
4: yeah well you know there are several there are several things emerging right there
0: and i think one of them the most interesting ones for me is when we understand that creativity doesn't just it doesn't belong to us it's it's uh like i don't think Kartik. Uh, i think you said the the example of inspiration is very beautiful in the sense that it's something that is being channeled or we are inspired that there is something we are being incepted with that is guiding us and we have had some really curious conversations here when it comes to consciousness like for example there was this uh, one saying we had On the show, this one phrase that emerged, where somebody said that you don't know if you're playing music or the music is playing you, where you don't know if you are reciting poetry, or the poetry is reciting you. And when we talked a little bit about the Platonic, uh, you know, Platonic uh, figures, Platonic solids, when we were talking a little bit even about Aristotle and the idea, the power of an idea, you kind of start thinking that there are thoughts, there are intentions that are timeless. Um, that are even that are even without identity, without consciousness. they just kind of permeate. there's like um, and perhaps what is keeping us from actually exploring this theme of creativity in a constructive manner is ego to feel that we need to possess it, that this is my work of art, that this is my idea, that this was you know my fantastic way of looking at the universe, which changed everybody's lives. so I would think, yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying, but then my question is, do you think that there's something to do with our ego or our, um, I don't know, with our idealization of being egocentric that is kind of putting us at odds with the creativity that we need to see in the world today?
2: Mm. that brings up for me is just the, the fallacy of the kind of lone genius you know, and being of Buckminster Fuller's legacy, we fight with it all the time, but he was at the center of many different collectives, you know, and so much of what he's known for, the geodesic dome, tensegrity, were really products of a group of people. Um, And that collective also being nature, human and nature interaction. Am I planting the potato? Is the potato having me planted? planting the tree or is the tree you know, incepting me to, to want to plant it um, and I think that, you know, that connection with nature um, is something that Buckminster Fuller was so good at and I think he got kind of confused as like, these are his ideas when really he was just completely devoted to seeing how nature's principles could be you know, imbued in artifacts and and Yeah, I think that's the great work of our time is to, you know, terraform the planet and not just building soil, but, you know, kind of rebuilding our connection and interdependence and awareness of our ourselves as nature.
3: You know, this reminds me, Karthik, of the uh, responding to Amanda, you know. uh, I completely agree. Karthik can come up with this idea called the socius, Think, can you talk a little bit about that? Remember, I was very excited by that idea when it came up in conversation. The genius versus the socius.
1: It's funny, I mean, this is, it's, 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 the, 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 the very idea, I think, is, is not an idea that I came up with, that it is part of, I think, the collective consciousness of today, just like Amanda mentioned, this idea of this lonely wolf sort of, you know, creating or like be said, um, the idea that creativity belongs to us—that it is something that we exercise on the world, like it's this idea, it's this religious idea of creatio and nihilo. I mean, you create out of nothing; you create out of your own know, you creativity. On the other hand, there's this idea um, that creativity happens to us. And so, one of the, one of the points, uh, one of the, one of the, one of the, one of the, if you really look at history, if you look at these moments of intense creative activity, like, for example, if you look at in poetry, if you look at the romantic tradition in England and the magical period between 1790 and 1830, where in quick succession you had Keats, you had Byron, you had Shelley, you had um, Blake, you had Wordsworth, you had Coleridge, sort of feeding off each other uh, to create a magically new body of poetry. Um, when you start looking at movements, movements don't just happen because we are bird creatures. Movements happen because there might be, as Amanda was suggesting, I think, an aspect of our creativity that is ineluctably social, that we we, we feed off each other in some sense to keep raising each other uh, each other above. So I would, one of the conversations with about was saying we shouldn't have this concept of genius. I mean, there is, I mean of course... The 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 universe, God, I would say God because I'm a believer. Um, but whatever word you have for the ultimate, they call it truth, al or whatever, is channeled um, through certain people, through certain vessels. It cannot be otherwise. Um, but the fact is so many complex causes go into that channeling, which includes interaction, which includes... Uh, being moments of openness to this, to being inspired to, as Jyoti said, being open to the fact that creativity comes to you, and and I think um, I want to connect that with the idea of prayer. For me, prayer really is openness to this aspect of existence. A prayer is not asking some supernatural enti- ent- entity, at least for me, uh, give me this or give me that. It's just being open to the fact that you are not your own self i mean that you don't own yourself that you are a vessel and that you want um whether you want to call it truth reality um god whatever you want to call it whatever ultimate term that you are a vessel for that truth to express itself and express its glory Uh, i know i'm using very religious words but i'm using them metaphorically But yes, I mean I'm I'm very much sort of echoing with uh, with 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 what others are saying, and uh, I don't know um, uh, what do you guys think uh, about prayer, for example, and its relationship
0: to me. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at the bottom of the hour. We are at the bottom of the hour. That's right. It's a great opportunity. To indulge in a little bit of synthesis. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to us right now, you are tuned into ReInco Radio. On KPCR FM 101.9 in Santa Cruz and Southern Silicon Valley We have today on the show Raghava KK and his brother Kartik And we are discussing re history and co-inspiration And we have reached a milestone in this lovely conversation Correct me if I'm wrong Beautiful people on the stage We are indulging in the concept Of the socius Rather than the genius The socius? The sociumus
2: Also known as the senius. Brian Eno's word for it The genius The genius of the scene
0: The genius of the scene He's like a DJ knowing what to spin for his friends. He's connected and everybody's connected. I think that's curious. I mean, some, I've heard so many artists who weren't really artists at all in terms of kind of like uh, knowing how to weave words with him, with a typewriter, or to create beautiful tapestries, or to paint, or even to sing to save their lives. But what they knew was how to tap into the zeitgeist and the feeling of human beings and actually transcend their own egos, I think, in a sense, to connect with something um, much deeper, which is goes beyond um, individual aspirations so I would like to invite you to do a synthesis on this can we get the lovely can we get the lovely Amanda to comment on the synthesis a bit more I find it curious and alluring
2: the curious the curious seniors the cultural scene The genius of the cultural scene
4: The oh. cultural scene Raghava, sing?
3: Absolutely not I just cannot sing with you You are too good for this, my friend
0: I love how you just proved yourself wrong I'm wondering if we could get the academic to prove us all wrong by singing along. Kartik, can we hear a beautiful synthesis idea from you? Is it possible to do? Kartik must be very hesitant. A ver, Kartik! Guys, let's give Kartik a big woo Woohoo!
1: These people (laughs) can (laughs) move if I sing. And with that, I end my synthesis.
0: We didn't hear you right. You're going to have to repeat it. We're going to have to get two bars of your synthesis.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Sing in Arabic. Sing in Tamil.
1: Is
4: that a prayer
0: by any chance, or is that a childhood song? Bring us into context.
1: <laughs> oh gosh, I can, I cannot do this this thing. I'm I'm terrible. Absolutely.
0: It's okay. You know, the funny thing is that I personally love just to hear people talk and speak, because there's there's people don't realize it, but um, we sing all the time. Uh, what we do often is that uh, the way that we speak, it has a certain melodic pattern. There's something called cadence as well, which is how when we finish um, uh, when we finish a sentence, you'll know it's it's done, just by the way that we lower the notes towards the end of what we've said. So we're singing all the time, we don't realize it. And I try to tell people that that you don't need to go to a karaoke to prove anybody anything. But unfortunately, when people go to karaoke, they go pr- pick uh, Freddie Mercury songs, right? And, uh, and they absolutely murder and butcher it. And then they say, I can't sing to save my life. It's kind of like if somebody said, um, Do you do sports and I said sure well all right now go do an Ironman Ironman contest right now and you realize that you have a lot of work to do but then you deny actually the beauty of just simple movement or just running or I don't know you know swimming something like that does that make sense again I think that ties in very beautifully to the whole thing with you know how we're putting artistry in certain in certain kind of boxes and that it's not allowed to do its thing because you're demanded to perform and so let me ask let me ask you uh, a question guys let me ask you guys a question Um Raghava you right now have just auctioned off at Sotheby's a uh, uh, very interesting work of art where you have digitally mapped an orgasm you've mapped several orgasms and you had this very deep question with your brother concerning whether it's even ethical to sell an orgasm so now let me ask you guys something simple like you've discussed this do you think that our society and that our i don't know socio-economical paradigms is actually hindering the artistic evolution that we need Or is it just naturally something that, you know, artists have to overcome on their own to bring something new about?
3: I really don't think in terms of universal ethics. I think in terms of personal ethics. What is the world I want to live in? What are the boundaries of my experimentation? Just because I can do something, should I do it? Just because something is offered to me, do I engage with it? And I think it's really important for us to have ethical boundaries for ourselves. And the objective of this work was to ask humanity, now that we are able to digitize everything in the world, the most non-fungible entity in the world is you, is me. Should I also be a commodity? Should I also be for sale? And so I took the most personal of my human experiences, my orgasm. And by masturbating, it becomes self-ironic. And I love anything that's self-ironic when you have to make love to the other, being yourself. It's it's a mindfuck. And I thought we can ask the world, is this what makes sense? Do you want to digitize everything and commodify it? And I just wanted I think art asks more questions than it can answer. And I think it's really up to us as artists to decide where our boundaries lie, where our ethical values lie. And I strongly urge all artists to find their space, their boundaries, not some universal accepted truth.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean that that is that is a good question. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, I have to tell you that the the word that the the obscene word that you may have heard escaping Ragavas uh, own lips is, is an artistic thing. So don't be don't be too concerned. It's it's not. It was used as is the name of, of this artistic thing. So so don't worry about it. Um, we just have to say it because we're in the air in the United States and some people might take it. Oh, things. I apologize. No, it's I okay. Apologize. It's okay. Somebody else will pay for the it's fine. It's meant only <laughs>
3: as a provocation.
0: <laughs> no, no. But listen, it's it's a great provocation. I mean, that is the question. Um, I I for a period of my life, I stopped making music commercially because I thought that there were things that are priceless, and the, the moment that you start commodifying things that should be priceless, and um, you you become cynical, and it's it's very beautiful. I think uh, Oscar Wilde's uh, quote, which says that a cynic is a person who knows. The price of everything, but doesn't understand the value of them, and 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 that is, I think, very very well described where we're at. But I maybe let's get somebody else's opinion on this. Turquoise Kartik, what do you think about that? You know, the tension, um, you know, the tension between the artist and the economic space. Is it just something that defines his art form, or something that he should fight against? Is it natural that there's that? sense of tensegrity there or is it just uh is it just um not 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 beneficial for that artistic development guys
1: okay i'll jump in Um, yeah i mean i i think um I think it actually goes back to what Amanda was saying and what I was saying in, 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 in our own, own groping way, which is, uh, I think we should stop thinking about art as some sort of gesture of genius made by an individual, um, exploring volunteers that other people cannot even dream of. Um, I think once you get into that, once you get into that mindset, that romantic mindset of the loneliness, um, then yes, then any kind of social constraint is bad, any kind of ways uh, kind of in which the economic situation limits you is bad, any kind of institution is bad, but, but really art is not made alone. Art can, if there is no audience for art, there is no art. So I think um, I actually would say constraints are good. If the economic constraints, if there are economic constraints that hinder you, then work against them. You sometimes only express the universe or express yourself by fighting against barriers, by fighting against things that hinder you. Um, look at the incredible, incredible genius of um, the people who worked uh, in the post Stalin era in Russia. Now, again, maybe too much constraint in society can also kill creativity because we just have to look at the horrible films that came out of Russia during the, the Stalin during the Stalin years. But as soon as that uh, as uh, during the Khrushchev years, during the, the late years, some of the most beautiful films came out and they could not be open. They could not. They were all censored. So they had to find other languages to express themselves. They sort of had to be crypto subversive. They have to be subversive. Um, and you had this incredible um films that were sly ironic but you had to be tuned into them to realize their creativity so i i I don't think per per se constraint is bad on the other hand i also do agree that there is a social problem where we don't appreciate the value of the gift um where so much of creativity is a gift to us that we should also we should also think about um the fact that maybe some of our art also needs to be a gift um, just by the fact that um, we are not, we don't decide to become artists. We, we are, you know, we are, we are, we are, uh, we are, we we talked about inspiration. We talked about the, the seniors, I guess. Um, sorry, we had our own word for it. Um, and we talked about all these other things. Um, what, what, what they really mean is you don't necessarily own the product of your work fully. And one way to acknowledge that is to really think about some of your art, at least, as a gift to the world. I think Churkis was saying something similar. Um, What what do you think, Amanda? I mean, what what Mm. is is this?
2: Yeah, it's bringing to mind for me just the the great paradigmatic, you know, moment, the shift that we're in from the zero-sum game at which one profit at another's expense the extractive exploitative economy towards the more shared value you know there's enough for us to all survive and even thrive Um, and so the economies are shifting and I I wonder if the kind of you know cult of personality and the lone genius narratives are actually just a vestige of that old way of of thinking um, and that old way of running our economy. And, you know, we're in an emergency ecologically, in social justice, in inequity, you know, that we've never seen wealth inequality like this ever in the history of, of history. And so, how can we use all of this art, the seniors, to do the culture jamming that's required for us to reinvent things very quickly? Like, we're on the brinks brink of collapse in so many different areas and also do all that while keeping in mind the stress productivity curve like if we're too stressed out our productivity goes way down and so how do we hold this emergency and this opportunity in that in that peak inspiration moment of the curve right where it's the more stress you have it you know has increasing returns up to a point and then diminishing returns after a while so of bringing us back to the inspiration and that need to like dance in the, in the paradigm shift. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's, what's all coming to mind for me. And, and this, this turn between the extractative, extractive towards regenerative economies and yeah, how can we redefine the importance of artistry in that? And, And what does that look like for the economy of artists? How can we make some NFTs about it? No, you brought
0: it up. You brought it up. I thought that's exactly where we had to go because when we talk about nfts and if we really want to unlock collaboration and if what we're really looking for is to have art that is happening not just from one person that not just emanates in its entirety from a small group of human beings or from an enterprise or an entrepreneurial point of view but something that you know uh, invites people to be you know to 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 remix to create derivative works and things like that well then the nft is supposed to solve that but I don't know Kartik or Raghava, what do you think about those NFTs or turquoise you've seen that mostly what we're using them for is just to collect and use them the way that we used to use other high art forms so the question is
3: so I both agree and disagree with Amanda and Karthik and all of you. Because for me, as an artist, it's neither the individual nor the socius or seniors or whatever you want to call it. It is that dance, as Amanda said, between the two. I would caution us from being so, so one-sided about this. I don't want to fight the ego. The ego is beautiful. I don't like this... Dividing of the two. I think it's the movement between the two. I, for me, art has six things that it needs to satisfy for me to be excited about it. One,
0: it has Wait, to be less expensive. Let's do it like this. We're gonna, we're gonna yell one, two, three, four, five, six. You're gonna, and you're gonna say them. All right? Just to, just, just to make it a little bit more okay, fun, like a Sesame okay. Street thing. Ready? Here we go. Uh, uh. Done. One.
3: Exclusive to inclusive.
0: Very, very good. Exclusive to inclusive. Go, two. Hopeless to hopeful. That's beautiful. All right, now give me number three.
3: Causing anxiety to healing. Anxiety to healing. Give me number four. Backward facing to future facing. Future facing. Future facing. (laughs) Five. Academic to
0: relevant. Ooh, that sounded like a burn. Academic to 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 relevant. To rel 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 relevant. Give me six. A commodity
3: to a way of life. Uh,
4: From from a commodity to To a way
0: of life Amanda, that sounds like something you would have said, right?
2: True, true. It also sounds like the Tao. Ancient, Ancient wisdom relevant to future future.
4: A way of life, a way
0: of life A way of... I think, you know, that's so beautiful. What we need right now is a guitar solo. Turquoise, you're going to grace us with one of your guitar solos. I love these rooms. I think I think everything I've heard from Raghava, Kartik, Amanda, and Turquoise it should be gospel. People should repeat it every Sunday. And I think it's just because it kind of adds perspective. When you're lost in the menial tasks of the everyday life, you sometimes really forget that there's a deeper way of looking at things. And so I'm tremendously thankful that we have this opportunity to be together, and just that. Massage each other's Each other's um, Minds With these beautiful um, I don't know Words, concepts, ideas Ladies and gentlemen This is Rianco Radio You are listening to us live On KPCR FM 101.9 You might also be hearing us here On the Clubhouse Room Or on Instagram Or on Facebook Keep in mind that we meet Every Wednesday 9 a.m pacific 4 p.m gmt to share regenerative ideas and just to make music together in the process
4: so um before we move into the final stretch the final leg may i ask everybody here with us today is there something you feel that still needs to be said
1: Well, I've been holding my breath as I listen to these words of wisdom. And one of the things that comes to mind that came out of the collaboration in the Design Science Studio with Amanda and many others was that art, A-R-T, art is about regenerative thought. Art is about regenerative thought. We build upon each other's ideas and carry them forward. So thank you for sharing your wisdom with us.
0: is about regenerative thought. And if you think about it, in a sense, art is regenerative. If it goes through creativity, it's something that springs from the deepest wells of our souls. And uh, I think it doesn't expire, which is a good question, Raghava. What do you think that age? I mean, you've been making art forever and ever. You're considered an artistic veteran in India, but you're not, you're not that old either. So tell me how you feel that the years have changed your perspective to art and your role in society?
3: Wow, that's a, an interesting question. You know, it's gone a whole s- circle. You know, it started off by trying to participate, trying to fit in. Initially, it's a, it's a stroke of, of surprise that you can create art. Then you try to fit in and then you try to separate yourself and then you don't give a, a damn <laughs> after some point point. and for me art i will leave you with one thought i was i met this gentleman who had come from a concentration camp who had survived a concentration camp and he said every day we were stripped naked and kept outside and we were whipped if we moved he said there was no reason to live but I asked God every day, show me one sign to live another day. And he said, every day, he either saw a feather fall from the sky, and he said, that's my sign. Or he saw the light between the trees, and he said, that's my sign. For me, that is art. It has no truth in itself. It has no ultimate promise it evokes it connects it inspires it gives hope for me that is art i don't take myself that seriously at the same time i take my own ethics and my life seriously so i don't know what art means to culturally historically but personally it is a tool of transcendence and a tool of hope for a better world for all
0: of us that's so lovely you said that but you killed the conversation in the process because when you say something that it's a tool of transcendence that it, it transcends even truth itself then even Kartik has nothing to say to that perhaps I'm wrong
3: <laughs> you will be wrong You <laughs> <We> always fight <laughs> Kartik bring it on
4: bring it on Kartik
1: I, I, I agree. I mean, there's nothing to bring bring on. I mean, I, I I want to also re I mean, I guess two responses. One is, for me, art is re, more than more than more than an activity of doing something. It's it's really a way of seeing. And when you said science, um, that that brought to mind this very notion that ev, like the very Sufi notion called. Uh, this notion that there are basically three big signs of God in the world, called Ayat, and the Ayat is the sun. Uh, that is your own heart, the heavens above which it yeah? and language, the Qur'an or the, the, the word for revelation. And, um, and, and, and so I, the, what I'm trying to get at is looking at these things as signs of ultimate reality. That, that word sign is a very beautiful word and a very very important word for me because it's it's that word where i i try to but i try to look at reality artistically where i try to look at reality as something that requires interpretation where i look at every little thing as something that is pointing to something beyond itself where i look at every little thing as something that deserves my attention. I think that's art for me, ultimately. So I, I profoundly agree. So I have nothing to, to disagree with.
0: Hmm. Something that deserves our attention. Something that deserves our attention. It's curious. They say an entertainer is a person who holds attention because to entertain is to hold attention. There's also the idea of entrainment when a, I know entrainment usually is, is prescribed or used in another in other context, but when you talk about attention, that attention just becomes aware of itself. So when that happens collectively, when people start bringing their attention together, actually is one of those moments where you have very, very strong metaphysical or esoteric potential because you're actually just playing in awareness and belief. Which is curious, you know? So do you think that in that sense, it is the artists which are ultimately the magicians, the sorcerers, or maybe use the word um, shamans nowadays, which kind of have that mission to entrain, to play with that attention, and to make us understand what is worth our appreciation or not. I know the poets for sure have to do that, but, but you know, I've heard that poetry is something passe. Does anybody want to prove me wrong?
5: I don't know about proving you wrong, but maybe proving you right. (laughs) I think it happens naturally as an aspect of uh, performance and and flow state. And I think there's an upgrade uh, of intentionality that Can be integrated such that musicians know that they're wizards, know that they're shamans, know that they're healers and are doing that work with intention and and kind of a guided sense into stepping into those roles um, within uh, regenerative ecosystems and and organizational structures. And so it's this kind of uh, interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary movement of the musician seeing musician as process for own self-healing then maybe process for collective healing or group healing or community healing that's been commoditized um, for consumption and then that kind of stepping out of that or into a new mask or into a new costume or into a new role um, that uh, can do that dance uh, sort of a sage movement
4: Hmm.
3: I think of it as very similar to what Turquoise said you know that sage movement for me is how do you go from being a speculator to a believer what is that process of conversion is it sudden is it long-term Karthik and I were talking about prayer as possibly the answer to this problem to go from speculation to believer and i think artists play that role of converting through the encounter a sacred encounter you design that encounter to to be that feather to be that that conversion
0: moment i love what we just touched upon Skeptic to the believer hmm, 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 hmm. We're on to something here
3: Not skeptic alone Speculator A speculator is Is like There is something in there But I, my logical brain Refuses to accept it Let's see how things pan
0: out Speculator Like in the sense of yeah. A- that- Sorry go ahead turquoise
5: was just that that idea of speculator and and participatory process of embodiment is what i'm asking about how that process how that conversion happens and what was coming up for me is the participatory learning of co-creation so participating with the musician or with the artist in some aspect in group that kind of transforms your body through somatic experience, whether that's dance or singing or um, arting along with the artist. There's like a with and through that can happen. I think that transforms us in ways that the cognitive aspect of um, uh, digestion or whatever, cognitively grokking an experience isn't the same as spiritually or embodied or somatic or any of those things. And I think that lands a little stronger um and transitions us so that's that's a little piece that's coming up for me as part of the process
3: it turns out that there are two ways you can transform immediate or slowly of your own determination to transform or of complete surrender and it turns out that this is a space that i would like to understand and study deeply
0: Well, that's a curious one. You know, I really like this idea of of a speculator, a person who holds his hands up in reverence but doesn't know of the energy that has to flow because of his belief. Or a person who sings the Psalms, you know, just to make sure that everybody sees their lips swaying, you know, so they see that they are part of the pantomime rather than actually really understanding the role they have to play uh, in that cosmic moment. I like this one. I really like it. I think it's a it's a really deep one and especially when i look at so much emergent shamanism right now which is just that lips moving arms swaying people dressing with the right clothes but not really understanding the work or just the attention or just the reverence that has to accompany it that's a good one how would you synthesize that Raghava one more time before we go off the air
3: I'm going to end just before we go off the air I'm going to say something I was sharing with Karthik both of us I've discovered prayer recently and I used to first pray to God saying God take care of me I've been a good guy I've done all these things help me help me help me that evolved to God, give me what I deserve. Forget it, just give me what I deserve. And now it has evolved to, God, let me follow your will. I have no destination. And I think there's something in wait, surrender. Wait, I
0: have to interrupt you because we're off the air in three, two, one, Ladies and gentlemen, that was Rianco Radio. Thank you for joining us. And if you want to hear the rest of what Ragava KK has to say, you can join us on Clubhouse or on the podcast, which will be recorded later. Thank you. Go ahead, brother.
3: <laughs> Sorry. Wow. You're amazing. I'm done. That's it. That was it. I just wanted to share the evolution of my prayer.
4: The evolution of your prayer is a lovely one.
0: You know, I love these moments of synthesis. So if we were to take and digest it correctly We move from a moment where we ask Because we're good guys, we're nice people, we're good girls We're not that crap human beings, right? And then we ask for what we deserve That's right, and so And that we ask for what we deserve What we think we deserve Because how can a person even know what he is deserving of And the third stage then, Ragava, tell us The third stage then is what? Share it with us one more time
3: Complete trust and surrender your Trust will.
4: stand and surrender. Trust and surrender. I
0: right, mean who's gonna sing along? Trust. something we 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 shared the other day. We were smoking a joint here in Ibiza. And somehow the thought accompanied us. It just came to us that probably one of the things that has most messed us up in terms of spiritual evolution is the belief that the soul is indivisible. We still somehow believe that when we die, we still maintain some semblance of ourselves when in reality it's just probably us, you know, flowing as a river into the ocean just to become something bigger. And that scares the living shit out of us. Imagine that moment flowing out into the cosmic ocean requires a lot of uh, belief in that flow um, and surrender. Is that a nice thought? Did that that tickle anybody's uh, intellectual or spiritual fancy? ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for such a beautiful beautiful show i am absolutely elated and i'm so happy you two guys made it